Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to Soconicas, episode 30, interview with Sarah Super. Yay! That's my favorite last name in the world, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Hannah Whitevin, your co-host with the mostest, most of the owner of Soconica Fitness and Wellness and head coach extraordinaire, self-aggrandize much. Hey, you got it. It's episode 30. Yeah, <laughs> good, good point. And I'm Lucia Holly, nutritional therapy practitioner, running my practice out of Silicona Wellness. I just want to point out I'm turning 30 soon. So this Ooh. is important to have episode 30. Mm-hmm. Very timely. Yeah. Um, so how was your week? Week was really great. My boo came to visit me, so it like went by in a flash. It was oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> He's great. It was really cool. He What's came his in name? A- Can you say it on the air? Oh, What's his name? <laughs> Taj, just bleep that out. No name. Just bleep it. <laughs> that would be great. Right? Um, why is he like a woodsman? He, he lives off the grid, so he can't be known? No. No, he's like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course he is. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I have so many more questions about that, but um, did you take him anywhere significant? Like, this is Minneapolis's thing? We did that last time he came to visit. We oh, went okay. to like the Como Zoo and took him around to some different parks. I've never even been to the Como Zoo. What? Hannah, let me take you to the Kamuka okay. for your 30th birthday. Okay. <laughs> it's beautiful, I've especially heard in the winter. a little sad. Oh, no. I Okay. I When I say Como Zoo, you I don't... You mean I just don't... the indoor arboretum thingy yeah. or what's it called? Yeah. The conservatory. Yeah, conservatory. I've yeah. been there. I've been there once. The zoo is sad. You're right. And yeah. I, don't, I don't like to go there. But it's the like plants, one bear. The plants are beautiful. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. How was your week? Oh, you know, it just flew right by. I actually don't remember what I did, like, earlier today. <laughs> so... It's a blur. <laughs> yeah, it's all a blur. We're having that big civic engagement seminar at the gym tonight mm-hmm. after this. So, I don't know. Yeah, what day is it, even? Thursday. Yeah, good. We're getting through the week. <laughs> it's almost over. I didn't do anything really significant. Yeah. How, how was your pee? <laughs> if you listen to our last episode, we talked about pee, yes. like human pee. Pee-pee. Um, I talked about peeing during workouts, and yeah. Lucia talked about using your pee to figure out if you're hydrated and yeah. other things, And too. some other stuff. Yeah, so our challenges were pretty broad, too. They weren't necessarily. Sometimes Hannah and I have very specific challenges for each other. And this time it was my challenge was just for people to look at their pee, especially if they never had before, which I know some of you are out there. I'm not one, but I know you're there. So maybe you looked at your pee. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to plead the fifth <laughs> on my challenge. All right. What about you? Do you pee your pants when you work out? I don't. Good job. <laughs> challenge accomplished. All right. Well, let's introduce our guest in the house. Here's a drum roll. Sarah Super. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Just a little giggle from across the room. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. You look very nice today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Came from work. <laughs> right. That's a fancy work uh, outfit and skirt. Bright red. Just looking fly. Like total power skirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, um, Sarah, how do you normally introduce yourself? When people are like, what 
give me the essence of Sarah Super because I feel like if I did it, it would take me 20 minutes. Does it take you 20 minutes to introduce yourself and what all the coolest stuff you do? Um, sometimes, like, tongue-in-cheek, I say celebrity rape survivor. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm a yoga instructor. I work as a training consultant. I um, am the founder and director of Break the Silence, which is a movement of survivors of sexual assault speaking out and striving to end rape culture, hold perpetrators accountable, and support survivors of sexual violence and healing. So there's just a lot happening in my life yes. right now, but it's very interconnected. Yeah. yeah, and well, it came out very eloquently when you just said it. It really did. Um, and also I like celebrity rape survivor too, because <laughs> I feel like, yeah, that has a certain amount of power behind it that yeah. I enjoy. Yeah. Um, can you just tell us, so when did the Break the Silence movement or group start because mm -hmm. I feel like I saw it on Facebook I want to say like in 2015 I just mm -hmm. saw somebody else make a post yeah. that was like this is my experience hashtag break the silence yeah. I was like what's going on mm -hmm. and I started to follow mm -hmm. the trending hashtag figured it out connected the dots saw all of the amazing things you're doing with it so tell us more when did it start yeah thank you um I was sexually assaulted in February 2015, so almost two years ago. And basically, um, six weeks into six weeks in the aftermath, I decided to break the silence and call the Star Tribune and tell them um, that I was the victim of this crime that they had just reported in the newspaper. And so they ran this story. They actually came with me to a trauma-sensitive yoga class that I was oh. teaching at a mental health crisis center. So by profession and kind of like on nights and weekends, I was certified to teach trauma-sensitive yoga. <laughs> trauma-sensitive yoga, but sometimes a mouthful. <laughs> and <laughs> TSY. Um, yeah, TSY, TCTSY, yeah. TC, through the trauma center. Oh, nice, okay. And um, so I have been working with trauma survivors for a few years now and had never had my own traumatic experience until I was raped. Um, so the Star Tribune actually came with me to one of the classes that I was teaching to kind of talk about like, hey, look at this rape survivor who also supports rape survivors yeah. without even really knowing it. Anyway, the story ran and a bunch of people across from across the state of Minnesota reached out to me and said, you know, I'm a survivor too and maybe this was the first time they're telling their story. Um, the number of stories that came into my inbox really struck me. Um, but I think what really hit me the hardest was recognizing that I actually had known in my life and in my close circles uh, uh, other people who had been sexually mm -hmm. assaulted mm -hmm. and raped who I had never talked to about those experiences. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that yeah. I knew so many survivors. Yeah. So anyway, that's really what started this like, you know, this is something that people, that many people experience and hold in silence and go through the suffering in isolation. Mm -hmm. And it felt like being inspired by the movement for marriage equality and mm. seeing how uh, the LGBTQIA community starting to come out in the most recent decades in vast numbers, I think really helped people who identified as straight see that this is a really big pervasive issue and the injustice that so many people, so many of our loved ones face is so prevalent. So it just created more allies and it created a stronger sense of community. So Break yeah. the Silence is kind of doing that for survivors of sexual violence. Mm. And now there's a, like a Facebook group for people who want to share this 
their stories or break the silence. And there's also some events that you do around town, right? That's right. So I host uh, community truth tellings is what I call them. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity, a space for survivors to show up and really identify themselves as survivors. So they get two to three minutes to speak about whether it's their experience or their healing or whatever they really want to say. But the key piece of it is that you're publicly identifying yourself as a survivor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's also a photo project that goes along with it. So you could, you know, check out the photo project on our Break the Silence Day Facebook page. And we're also working to build the United States' first permanent memorial to honor survivors. Yeah, so we've been moving forward in that process with the Minneapolis Parks and Rec Board. So there's a, a lot going on. Yes. We also started yeah, like a singing group. Yeah. Right. How do you yeah, keep track survivor of survivor voices? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I have a really amazing team of people who oh, are starting good. to take the lead on these initiatives. That's good. Because it would seem like just from looking from the outside, I'm like, how does Sarah mm-hmm. keep everything like in order? And how do you keep yourself from being emotionally exhausted by the weight of so many other people's experiences? That's a really good question. I think part of it is having some personal boundaries. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it would be that like one person, I've experienced this personally, I've experienced this firsthand, that like one person can't uh, heal you. That it really takes a community. Mm -hmm. And so with that knowledge that I know firsthand that I need more than one ally in my life to help me through this path, I know that like I can't fix anyone's problem. I can't solve it for them, and not to say it's a problem to be solved, um, but rather that even if I put everything I had into supporting every pain, every ounce of suffering a survivor faced, that that still wouldn't be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my real goal is on a much more macro scale of creating a community where survivors are believed and met with support yeah. and compassion and where people know what it means to be trauma sensitive and where that becomes everyday practices. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because I feel like if you even like if you're trying to go through that with just your partner mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. that can sometimes put like a stressor on your relationships and not really give you what you want in the mm-hmm. end. So it makes a lot of sense to think about it like a community based effort. Yeah. What how did you get interested in or like what drew you to either trauma sensitive yoga or just like work with with trauma survivors before? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I had gone to the U of M for college and studied sociology and American studies. And that was kind of, I found like my heart in the liberal arts, but I had initially growing up wanted to be a dancer. Yeah. And it was very mediocre. (laughs) My dance career would never Well, I wanted to be a pop star, so you know. (laughs) Right. I mean, a lot of us had dreams that (laughs) didn't come to fruition. (laughs) And that's okay. Um, But I gave up dance and um, became a yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. And so it was really kind of the combination of teaching yoga on nights and weekends and going to school and studying injustice and oppression that I started to make some parallels. Mm -hmm. It was my first job after college was working with the YWCA of Minneapolis's racial justice and public policy program. And I was facilitating dialogues about race and racism in the context of using circle method. Anyway, it was, you know, people are sitting in chairs and they're talking about experiences that they've had of experiencing racism or witnessing racism firsthand in our community. And 
at one point, I, th- I can't remember the day, but I really felt like I started to watch the people who are participating in the dialogues through the eyes of a yoga instructor. Mm. And I started to watch body language. Mm-hmm. I started to see tension and stress in, in the ways that yoga teachers are taught to see those things, such as your shoulders are creeping up, or yeah. your eyes are in a fixed gaze. Mm. And I wondered how I could incorporate the body into the dialogues that I was having, while also honoring the fact that you know, I'm a thin, young, white, female, like, cisgendered, straight woman, right. <laughs> which, mm-hmm. like, met the total stereotype of a yoga instructor. Yoga. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in the racial justice context, you know, it's not me saying, oh, I've got this great thing called yoga that everyone should right. try. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew I needed to learn some new skills, and it was, at some point, I had actually given up my Career, this is a very long story. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why we brought you on. It's um, an interesting story. But at one point I had um, kind of decided to go back to grad school and focus on the interconnection of human rights abuses and yoga mm-hmm. and where that kind of fit in for activists and self-preservation and where it also came into play for healing for those who'd been victims of, of human rights abuses such as racism. Um, and... I didn't have the money to pay for grad school, so I had found out that the U of M does a tuition reimbursement program where if you work full-time at the U, you get like 75% off a graduate oh, degree. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. So I took a job like <laughs> making good to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> um, but I took a job as like an admin support, uh, so nothing to do with what I had previously mm. been doing, but just totally to reap the tuition re- reimbursement policy yep. benefits. And the research center that I was working at was the Center for Neurobehavioral Development. And it studied, It was a research institute that studied children's brain development and things that promoted it and things that hindered it. And that's where I was introduced to the concept of psychological trauma, mm-hmm. that our experiences could shape our genetic expression and maybe give us some light into our health outcomes in the future. Um, So it was then that I really started to look into racism as a traumatic experience and um, found trauma-sensitive yoga kind of through that train of thought. This this work is not original to me, um, but that's how I kind of found it and and wanted to play a part in learning how to be trauma-sensitive in Mm -hmm. order to be a better ally and facilitator for these dialogues. Are there some, like, primary tenets Mm -hmm. of trauma-sensitive yoga that you... Like, can, is it easy to sort of summarize the main <laughs> ideas behind it? I mean, for those of uh, for those listeners, I guess who have tried a yoga class, um, you know, yoga classes can range so much in terms of style and the teacher and the environment. Um, I think some of the core tenets or domain key domains of trauma sensitive yoga would be. Um, the teacher qualities, such as uh, additional sense of mindfulness around predictability, and um, there's no physical assists or modifications, so no physical touch um, in trauma-sensitive yoga. And maybe the most kind of apparent thing that people seem to see first or see, um, I think one of the one of the things that stands out the most around the difference between trauma sensitive yoga and other forms of yoga is the use of language mm-hmm. is completely invitational, and so everything has 
one or more options. So you could raise your arms this way or you could reach your arms out that way. If you'd rather have your arms at your side, that's okay too. So always your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this language yeah. of you might bring attention to the sensation of your feet on the floor. You might rub your feet or wiggle your toes or tap your heels. Um, you could also keep your feet still, your choice. You know, so it just, yeah. everything is totally invitational, reminding um, the practitioner that they have agency over their body. Yeah. Otherwise, I think the context that I was originally taught to teach, how I was taught to teach yoga originally mimics in a very strong way the experience of a perpetrator victim where Mm -hmm. it's someone in control of your body. There's a real power dynamic. I was taught to stand and kind of walk around the room and adjust and touch people Mm -hmm. while they did what I said and, you know, practiced yoga. Um, And, you know, for a lot of people being told what to do with their body in a command, uh, sometimes without consent of touch. You know, we a lot of yoga teachers will ask for consent at the very beginning of a, the hour. But what we know about consent is people should have the opportunity to opt out yeah. at any time. Right. And I have not yet experienced a yoga class where a teacher has offered somewhere else in the class. Like, mm. if you'd rather change your mind, you know. Yeah, you especially because you know. don't know what to anticipate for what the touch is, especially if you're new. Yeah. Definitely. You're like, sure, you can, like, put your hand on my shoulder, but, like, you know, don't adjust me at my leg right. or, you know, certain mm-hmm. specific boundaries. Right. I noticed that because I took your the workshop that you did here mm-hmm. and I noticed that it was like the first time I'd done a um, traditional style of yoga because we offer like a mobility class that is um, y- very yin style. So there's like no real hands on adjustments because there's no need for it. It's so static in certain stretching mm-hmm. positions. Um, but compared to like traditional yoga where I, I normally feel like I'm looking around more and wondering if I'm doing it right or meeting up to some standard. When I took your workshop, I was like, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could just That's lay awesome. here the whole time. And, yeah. and afterwards, Sarah would probably be like, thanks for coming. Great job. <laughs> like it felt and it, it actually made me I feel like trying some new things mm. more. Like I, I felt like I was more likely to try <clears throat> something that you suggested that I might not you know, normally feel comfortable in just because I was like, well, if I fail, it doesn't really matter here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, everyone is so fine with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Something that some people pick up on, too, as I instruct trauma-sensitive yoga classes is the idea that, like, I don't even really look at my students or the people who are practicing, that there's really no need because I I trust in my ability to, you know, offer things that are physically not going to harm people. Right. Um, but ultimately, the real goal is for people to make choices for themselves. And, you know, you said, like, you could do whatever you wanted to do. And while that's kind of true, you also yeah. want to say, like, I'm creating a bound. I'm creating some boundaries. That's yeah. like, this is expected. Mm-hmm. You know, you're expected to stay on your mat unless you choose to leave. Right. right. Um, right. But you're not going to, like, run around the room screaming. Yeah, like, not, <laughs> not to that extreme. But, like, but, like within a pose, yeah. it was like, oh, it can look kind of how. That's right. It doesn't have to look like this perfect you know, flat back, straight legs, hips up, down dog right. position. I was, right. you know, felt nice to be given permission to like bend my legs and not worry too much mm-hmm. about everything and how it looked. Yeah, trauma sensitive yoga is not about flexibility. It's not about building physical strength. It's not about alignment of your chakras. It's not about <laughs> enlightenment or oneness with the world, yeah. which is typically what the traditional yoga is. Trauma sensitive yoga is the goal is to heal from trauma. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. 
Um, I also noticed in that class, like, and maybe it's just because of the way we set it up, but there was no one behind me, mm-hmm. and that felt really nice because mm-hmm. yoga positions can be very challenging to be in because mm-hmm. you're like, well, you know, my butt's in the air, and I don't feel like I know what I look like, and I'm a little nervous right. in that position. So is that was that purposeful or just kind of because we had a tiny room? Well, I think we capped it yeah. and made sure that we felt like people could comfortably be in the space without feeling like their space was being intruded on. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that I thought about is in some yoga studios where they, you know, mat to mat yoga practitioners, um, you can oftentimes hear, you're, you're so close, you can hear someone breathing and there are certain breath practices or pranayama that you're creating an audible breath and we know that's actually can that can be very triggering for people that the sense of you're so close I can hear someone else breathe mm-hmm. um, so there's no kind of pranayama practice it's like you can breathe through your nose <laughs> or your mouth your choice whatever works mm-hmm. better for you right you know right yeah that's great and what was it like to start to teach this type of style of yoga too for me it was groundbreaking because even as someone who had never experienced trauma at the time I felt like I had, I mean, it was empowering to really feel like I started to have some ownership over my own body and started to notice my body in a really different way. Um, I started to feel like yoga became much more of a practice of me making choices that felt right for me Mm -hmm. instead of something that needed to be performed, which I think was actually one of the reasons why I fell in love with yoga after I was a dancer, Hmm. because it was such a relief to be like, I never have to perform this. (laughs) I never have to be on a stage or, you know, worry about fitting into a costume or whatever it was. It's, I could just show up and just do what I wanted to do and needed to do. And this was a deeper way of expressing that for me. Did, were there any things that you, after experiencing your own trauma, that you feel like you understood more about your practice? And I mean, there must be a lot of things yeah. <laughs> about your practice or the way that you work with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, it changed the way I practice. It changed the way I teach. Actually, you know, I don't know if it changed it. It validated it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really felt like, wow, the trauma center really knows what they're talking right. about. Right. <laughs> like, I holy crap. <laughs> I had gotten some great training yeah. because the things that I'd been taught to do all of a sudden made so much sense in my own body. So it really validated the training I had had to kind of like under how to understand trauma in the context of the body and in healing. Um, even in the relational piece that trauma sensitive yoga isn't like a DVD you pop in. It's like being in the, being in a room with someone you might not even know and feeling safe in that space. Yeah. Like that's part of, I think that's a step in healing is to be in relationship with someone and feel like you can trust them and feel like you can trust that you'll be safe in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked with a six-year-old incest survivor in the aftermath of my own assault Um, and we actually practice every week on Skype for 15 minutes and it was it was such um I don't know how to even describe that experience of like understanding not not understanding and yet understanding the pain Mm -hmm. um, and creating this place where I could speak to the importance of her having choices in her home. Her um, school was trying to take away her recess as like a punishment for bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
I talked about the importance of her being able to move her body mm -hmm. and how recess provided that in a way that, you know, normal class time doesn't, but also just the sense of agency and captivity that every traumatic experience has mm -hmm. of feeling powerless, feeling contained, and how the school's decision to threaten that could be so triggering. It was so triggering mm -hmm. for her. So it was, I was actually able, she had, she didn't get recess for approximately a week, I think, but I actually was able to Skype in with her at that time yeah. and, and do yoga with her. Um, That's great. But yeah, it just, I think it really validated the training I received. Yeah. Um, so someone actually <clears throat> emailed me last week and sort of asked me, you know, how, have you ever considered having like a, a CrossFit class for survivors and I had not really thought about it even though I thought about like what does it mean to be someone who's coaching bodies mm -hmm. and not knowing like everyone's experience and where they come from and being a survivor myself I definitely think about these types of things mm -hmm. but it brought a new well, first of all, I told that person, like, hey, guess what Guess what I'm seeing next week? So, <laughs> you know, maybe I can ask Sarah what she thinks. Mm -hmm. um, when you're in, like, the in the CrossFit gym, there's so, I mean, the, the variety of events we do, are there's so many. Mm -hmm. And for a new person, it's like everything is unexpected and new. And I might be asking them to put themselves in positions that are, like, that are, like, feel very vulnerable, like mm -hmm. a very arched back position or mm -hmm. anything, really. Right. There's so many things that we're doing in there. So I guess, like, for me, I, I'm i always thinking about what, what I can do to make people me feel more comfortable and more able to take risks. Mm -hmm. What, like, how could I, what are some ways that that would translate over to not quite yoga environment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit more, like... <laughs> I actually felt like before I was assaulted, I was working at Core Power Yoga teaching their vinyasa classes, but also yoga sculpts. Yeah. And I had done the trauma-sensitive yoga teacher training beforehand. So I'm like, I think this is the most trauma-sensitive yoga sculpt class anyone could do. It's like, <laughs> if you'd like, you could pick up more weights. You yeah. Can set your weights down. Your choice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, I think if people understand that trauma, every traumatic experience has two things. It has disempowerment or the aspect of being forced against one's will and disconnection or the feeling of being betrayed by another individual or group of people. And those two things comprise almost every traumatic experience uh, from war to neglect to sexual abuse to physical violence. Um, so, so the real goal of being trauma sensitive then is to counteract those things with being, um, with empowerment mm -hmm. and uh, offering people choices, reminding people they have agency to choose, giving people the ability to say no or stop or opt out. Um, and then that second piece is creating a real sense of safety and trust. So counteracting the betrayal of this person isn't who they say they are or I thought I could trust you and now I, I question everyone's trust. Mm -hmm. I trust my safety with, you know, I question my safety with other people. Um, that That's counteracted by really a sense of predictability. So if people actually even know what they're going into, if people know what CrossFit is, the more information, like knowledge is power, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? We've heard that adage before. Mm -hmm. So um, that's empowering and I think the more you can give people the choice of like this is this is what we have to offer this is what this class might look like or this you know workout might look like and you can always stop and that's okay too you'll just be supported in the space however you choose to participate 
I think that sounds great. Yeah, yeah that could be that could <laughs> they be can make that happen. Prospect yeah, class. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, where where can somebody like learn about being a trauma sensitive anything instructor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. And like just like for my yeah. own personal benefit, like where do I how do I make that happen? Yeah. So um, the trauma center is where I was trained, and so you can go onto their website traumacenter.org or traumasensitiveyoga.com to see more information about that. Uh, Bessel van der Kolk, who's a widely respected trauma scholar and researcher, he's he founded the Trauma Center, and he recently published a book in September 2015 called The Body Keeps the Score, which is a very kind of -of state-of-the-art understanding of how trauma manifests in the somatic body Mm -hmm. and kind of the ways in which more and more therapists and clinicians and yoga instructors are using kind of physical movement in in different forms of trauma therapy and so that could be one starting point yeah it's still a little bit of a wild west you know right. basically um unlike maybe a vinyasa yoga teacher who goes through a training pro 200 200 hour training program to be certified through yoga alliance uh, trauma sensitive yoga is not through Yoga Alliance, and mm. so almost anyone could just attach that to their name because they read an article or attended a short workshop um, and call themselves a trauma-sensitive yoga instructor. So you just need to kind of be watchful of whose class or who who's the teacher and what's, what's their background and training. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But so in terms of like how to be a certified trauma sensitive yeah. anything, like you could just <laughs> you call could just yourself say that. that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Which is what I don't want to do. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, do I just automatically know because I'm a survivor? And it's like, no, definitely not. Right. Yeah. I feel like I know less because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. My free cats are different than yours. And also, mm-hmm. you know, some things I might not understand because I didn't experience them or like mm-hmm. or don't have like I haven't changed in the same way or mm-hmm. you know what I mean don't have the same trust problems or I don't know whatever it is right right nobody the, has the same outcomes nobody right? has the same outcomes and I think that's what it actually means to be trauma sensitive yeah like I I could imagine there's many podcasts out there and different um pieces out there around trauma in the body that's talking about you know the importance of self-care and self-care looks like kale salads and bubble yeah. baths and exercising for me it's like six cookies sleep. and yeah. like <laughs> and like an episode of the bachelor yeah, right. just, just taking care of self <laughs> yeah. but the concept that we would know somehow what's mm. right for a person right is not trauma sensitive right because that's a unequal balance of power mm. Yeah, and and sometimes telling your own story as a way of solving other people's problems is like even you know very insensitive. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. So your story is just your story. Right. Exactly. Um. So, c- kind of back to that like self care issue, like when. How do you find a way to sort of manage your own healing process as well as, like, being a leader and everyone else's healing process because <laughs> it seems like it would be very hard I mean your assault was was only two years ago like mm-hmm. it's so fresh in your body and your mind still and you know I feel like my experiences were from 19 years ago and they're still fresh in body and mind That's like right. how do you how do you make sure you continue to allow yourself space to heal and also still be this 
amazing leader who's like always smiling and amazing to everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I guess I would say two things. The first is that time does not heal trauma. Oh, right. And that's a <clears throat> big misconception. Mm -hmm. And time heals broken hearts. It can heal a grieving process in part, right? But the nature of trauma is timelessness. Like yeah. The nature of PTSD, we know that if we walked into a VA, mm -hmm. we would see veterans who are suffering from PTSD from wars they fought decades ago. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what it feels like so we don't even say it feels like it was yesterday it feels like it's happening right now right in my right. body yeah. you know so how how far away a survivor is from a trauma might not dictate any right. part because it also are. sometimes feels like it never happened at all that's right mm -hmm. some and then yeah. the next moment it's like oh yeah it's happening at this very moment or yeah yeah the other thing I would say, so time does not heal trauma, but the other thing is that healing can't happen in isolation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your question is such a good one of like, when do I take time for me? And yes, I mean, I think time alone is probably healthy for any person. I mean, it definitely feels like that it's healthy for me to <laughs> yeah. take breaks and, <laughs> right. and yeah. not, you know, be in social contact 24 seven. Um, but the majority of my healing, I think, has happened with people who um, have heard me, who have listened. I mean, like the way that you're listening to me mm -hmm. right now is a healing experience to feel like people care because the experience of apathy that I received from my perpetrator causing me so much intentional pain um, was really, I think, at the heart of the damage of what my trauma mm -hmm. is. And, you know, I find <laughs> triggers in everyday rape culture. And, of course, this weekend is... Um, Yes. You yeah. know, we're meeting trauma and then Saturday maybe a healing experience. I don't know. Yes. Right, right? yes. Um, but we see these, you know, articles in the news. And if you read the comments, like, holy cow, I'm just yeah. reliving um, the sense of feeling like my community isn't safe. My mm -hmm. community doesn't know how to support survivors. My community doesn't believe survivors until a court conviction. Mm. Um, all of these things play into uh, the compounding of trauma of my trauma and even more so I think the silence of so much of so many people in our community who identify themselves as liberal who identify themselves as progressive yes. socially yes. justice minded people yep. who are part of these really important social movements and yet have no clue mm. that they are surrounded by survivors of or sexual are perpetrators violence. of sexual violence yes, themselves right. yep. exactly so it just I think it adds to the pain to watch so many people in our community um and i was one of them like i think that's something i also need to say that i was an active part of the anti-racism movement um in you know since i was in college and and have grown with that and have watched that and participated in that but i did not know just how much sexual violence sexual violence was happening and i didn't speak up about it and i didn't tell people in my life proactively mm -hmm. that if they told me their stories, I'd believe them and support them and stand with them, no matter who their perpetrator is mm -hmm. or if they chose to name that person or people. Um, so I wasn't that ally. But I think that's kind of what I'm starting to see and ask people to do more of is to be much more proactive and yeah. starting mm -hmm. to get out this information that these, I mean, this is, a, this is so many people right. that it's impossible to be in a room without a survivor in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's such a challenging thing to speak about your own trauma mm -hmm. 
when you're trying to get someone to understand you and then you open up that deepest like part of yourself mm-hmm. it, it you need some other people to be able to say like look you know it's important to be aware of people's trauma it's so you don't have to always explain your story to people who you don't know or who even who you do know right yeah. yeah and you know some people I think one of the myths of trauma is that like no one wants to tell their story mm-hmm. right and then mm-hmm. it, again it's like well no one heals like people heal differently right mm-hmm. and so for me I found some like kind of empowerment in telling my story and sure there are definitely days where I'm like really do I right. <laughs> like uh, let's repeat okay, these yeah. let's, <laughs> let's like open up this memory again right, you know? right. but um for the most part I feel like speaking out has actually been a healing experience Mm -hmm. for me um it's been complicated because I there are not many people who have named themselves told the details of their story and also um named their perpetrator who's existing in the community yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. and uh, granted my perpetrator was convicted so I think there are a lot of people who that in a way validates the story in a way that most people never get right um the levels that you have to each one of those things you described is like a leveling up in terms of okay like how much do I really trust the people I know and how how much do I really want to put myself on the line Mm -hmm. for this and just because someone believes you doesn't mean they stand with you Right. right right so there's a lot of people who believed what happened and also said you know Oh, that's your thing. At, like poor Alec Neal, who his life has been changed forever, ruined. You know, he's. Can you imagine the consequences he's gonna face? And yeah, wow. it's like he, he chose. He <sighs> yeah. chose this. Pretty sure that was, <laughs> that his, was his choice. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So you know, that's I mean, an I, see, I think we see that everywhere with everything. Yeah, that, that's right. Brock Turner, yeah. recent, most recent public yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. and just with like, I mean, you're right with instances of rape culture in general, like. Mm-hmm. Um, men publicly shaming women you know oftentimes if especially if oh the woman says something back or says something public or says this hurt my feelings the response is usually like well you know he's just he just has a hard time talking he's just a bad communicator like just give him a break and yeah you can see it like that just continues to get stronger as the problem deepens yeah like the bigger the problem the more seeming apathetic almost forgiveness there is for the person perpetrating it Mm -hmm. yeah and there's a really I think confusing use of the word compassion that's kind of Mm -hmm. stirred around Mm -hmm. our community particularly actually and this is really applicable to being a yoga instructor and being in a community of so many yoga instructors and knowing so many yoga instructors who um, might never have been assaulted and they're trying to preach to me like you know compassion Sarah like you know you reap what you sow and um, I just think, like, what does compassion mean? Like, you use that word, but what does that actually look like mm-hmm. in practice? Does this mean that this person should not have gone to prison? Does this mean that this person, is it an eye for an eye? Is it like, right. you know, I'm, I've never, ever spoken out that what happened to me should happen to him right. or anything right. like that. That every every human being, no matter what you do in the world, is deserving of basic human rights, right? Food, shelter, safety, the right to your own body. Mm-hmm. Um, education and he deserves all of those things and he also deserves to be held accountable and yes I think for removing one of your human rights several yeah, yeah, of your yeah, human exactly. rights right right so yeah. accountability is love in a way yeah and it's just holding people to a higher standard I agree mm-hmm. and it makes 
for our children to be better people when they yep. grow up. Like the reason, you know, the the reason that we have this tricky idea around who's accountable for what is because there is not a very good precedent for it. Right. It's not like there have been a series of of perpetrators who've gone to prison, been rehabilitated, reconnected with the community, and said, look, I did a terrible thing. Like, that's yes. not a thing we that's see. That's not a thing. We almost never see accountability. Yeah, I can't even think of an instance at all where, nope. I can't think of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that. That would be so great. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, now we have Trump as president soon. Yeah. As this episode comes out, yeah. on Monday, we have a perpetrator in the highest office, office mm-hmm. in really in, in the world. So, yeah, it tells you how quickly we forgive perpetrators, especially men, because mm-hmm. um, I don't think we often as easily forgive women who are perpetrators either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's painful <laughs> to know that he's... Uh, to believe that he's yep. a perpetrator, yeah. to believe the women who've accused him, um, but it's also really painful to see the you know, what is it, millions of people who didn't care, you yeah, know, they didn't or who care. actively right. support him, and actively support what he has done, yes. right. and use it to justify their own behavior or at least their discussion of their own potential behavior, mm-hmm. which is like so terrifying. Yeah, I actually. <laughs> Maybe you can cut this part out, but I just wanted to tell you that, like, after this, I'm going to go chop my hair up. Because I just, like, I just feel like long hair is such a symbol of, like, men like me better with long mm-hmm. hair. Yep. Yeah. So I'm yep. cutting it. That's why I yeah. cut my hair. Totally. Yeah. Yep. I grew my hair out really long for my wedding and then had, like, even long fake hair mm-hmm. attached. And um, afterwards, I got so many compliments on just, like, from from people who I didn't want to get compliments mm. from about like how long my hair, how feminine I looked, and I was like Ooh. goodbye. I just yeah. cut it all off. Weird. Yeah, and I even like shaved underneath. I just don't even want to be close to the woman that Trump wants me to be. Yeah, yeah. I just want to look disgusting to most men. Same, Perfect. same. <laughs> Maybe even all. Yeah, except I mean, for like my partner. I, I, I don't. He likes think, me anyway. I mean, yeah. I think like I don't love my partner for his looks at right, all. Right. Like, and he could totally change his looks. And that would mean nothing to me. That's funny. Yeah, I yeah. said the exact same thing to my husband yesterday. He was like, oh, I feel so bloated and ugly. And, like, you don't think I'm cute. And I'm like, look, you could look very different than you do now. That's not why I fell in love with you. Also, one day you're going to be really old. And I'm still going to love you. Yeah. Like, right. weird stuff's going to happen to both our bodies. Right. So just be okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Definitely. So, I mean, these are things, though, these are interactions, I feel like, that we have that are actually more painful. Like, mm-hmm. people think that sex is triggering for a rape survivor. I have found that sexism yes. is so yes. much more Way triggering. Worse. Yep. It's just so, because it's sex should be about a balance of power, right? right. If it's not consensual, right. it's not sex. Right. right. But if, I mean, sexism is an imbalance of power, mm-hmm. and it's the someone's in power and someone's not. And being reminded of that through sexist comments, through sexist jokes, through... The magazines I see as I'm checking out at the grocery store and, like, what I'm supposed to be in the world, which is basically, like, taking up no space and making no sounds. Yep. Right. um, That's triggering for me. That that makes my trauma worse. Yeah. Yes. I find that the rhetoric around, like, feminazi and Mm. those type of things is really what puts me in a bad place. Like, Mm -hmm. getting messages about being demure and... uh, all of that is like very frustrating and then it's that second level of like and if you're not you're 
you're actually a bitch or you're yep. you're wrong that you're dirty and like you're just no one should listen to you and do why do you have to get so angry when bad things happen mm-hmm. right. just can't you accept the way things yeah. are and why do you always have to respond with that I'm like yeah oh I just yeah. <laughs> and it makes me then feel angrier and I'm like here we are yep here we are I'm proving you right like right. yeah I'm real mad at you yeah <laughs> and that's when I go like that's when my body feels like I am being raped right now mm. because I feel like I have just said like you don't care you don't care yeah. the fact that like I'm a human being who's like yep. deserving of respect right. and dignity and that you know, anytime a man comments on a woman's body or appearance, they're just like, seriously, I, my I, opinion of them goes down so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's the point? We're not here to be looked at. Yeah. No. And the idea that you have to, in order to get out of those situations, a lot of times you have to submit yourself to their request in mm-hmm. some way. Yep. Right. Like if someone's like, you're being angry, why are you being angry? How do you get out of that? Right. You know, besides being like, I'm actually hurt because yeah, like it's right. actually like no I'm really fucking angry right you know? or yeah if you're like in a place where you feel like you can't speak your voice because you feel unsafe and you have to be like this demure little girl the only way to deal with it to with you know without potentially putting yourself in danger is mm-hmm. to be a demure little girl and That's like right. skirt your way out it's yep. safer to yes. be what they want yeah and yes yeah, it's much safer physically it's much safer yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah which makes yeah takes away all your power yeah right Wow. It's infuriating. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I feel like I talk about this for two years. <laughs> I could too. I'm like, when are we running for office? Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But like, then I'll, I'm going to end up in, <laughs> this is what it'll be. We'll run for office, the three of us. Yeah. And I'm going to be tagged Package for being. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> you get one, you get all three. Yeah, yeah. you get all three. I'll, be t- I'll take the tag for being like a, like a man-hating <laughs> Too, like too butch, like voice all raspy, whatever. Talks to curses like a sailor. Whoa. I'll take that. Not feminine. Wears wears too much pants. You don't <laughs> all them pants. What are you guys gonna do? I think I'm gonna be fighting for that same role. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, I, that's I great. I can't say I curse very much, but <laughs> but I can say that I'm not out to please men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man hating, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. I think. Do I have to apologize? No, unapologetic. Oh, yeah. No, unapologetic. <laughs> over from over here, it's it's all ice queen. Ice queen. Don't oh, be ice you're queen. right. They will definitely call you the ice queen, Lucia. Always. Like, oh, she looks so German. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know those German ice queens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's Is that a phrase. <laughs> it's interesting that in the kind of struggle to end traumatic experiences such as sexual violence which yep. you know we could opt today today could be the end of sexual yeah, violence that'd be if, great if guys let's opt that. out of it i'm done <laughs> here we go yeah it really would just simply take everyone to say this is not how we're gonna do it you know right. this is not how we're gonna identify ourselves or find a sense of power um that it's just so possible but in the fight of like kind of working towards that goal that there are women that don't want to play into a sexualized yep. ideal mm-hmm. and it perpetuates the problem you know not it doesn't I don't want to blame women for perpetuating the problem but the the response that men give when women are working to kind of see that better world and make that a reality it's just so painful it's just so yes. triggering yes I think I put myself into so many positions where I am triggered because I am speaking out right. you know I yeah. am smiling you know yes. despite the fact mm-hmm. that something awful happened and people know about it yes 
coming from the trauma perspective, like as someone who knows a lot about trauma, um, how, like, what words would you say about um, people who are, like, have experienced trauma or, I mean, I think feel like working in social justice has its own trauma as well with mm-hmm. it, but people who are working in, like, social justice fields or working as, in, you know, feminist issues and racial justice issues and all of that, and they're feeling so, like, taxed and mm-hmm. triggered by everything that they're dealing with and want to give up or stop or be done, mm-hmm. just, like, check out. What, like, what can you even say to that? Like, mm-hmm. do you have advice or is there any, like, tools that you've used to really help yourself stay engaged? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I think one of the things I would say is do whatever you need to do do whatever you need to do. So if that's check out for a while, mm-hmm. if that's check out permanently, if that's continue the fight, do what you need to do. Because if someone says keep fighting or yeah. Um, yeah. you should take a break, it's like who yeah. am I to decide for you how you should live your life? Right. You know, mm-hmm. right. So I think that would be the the response that I give to that. But I I think in terms of how to heal what we're seeing is kind of a pattern of three key things one is that empowerment offering people tangible choices with the ability to opt out and the ability to have you know agency over their outcomes Um, the other thing is to be trustworthy to be predictable if I say you know I'll call you tomorrow I'll call you tomorrow I follow through on what I say I'm gonna do Mm -hmm. and who I say I am and then the third piece is really the piece that involves the somatic or physical body And that is, there's this word that researchers are studying, it's called interoception. And it's the ability for people to sense their own body. So Mm -hmm. it's like if I rub my hands together, I can sense my hands touching, right? I can feel my right foot is touching the floor. I can feel my knees are like pressed against each other as I cross my legs. And that is a neural pathway that gets disconnected to some Mm -hmm. degree in traumatic experiences. Mm So, and what we also know is that it's a really key piece, a really key connection to having in order to self-regulate, in order to kind of bring yourself out of these triggered feelings of this is happening again, like how does that feeling stop? I think it starts with this interoceptive piece where Mm -hmm. it's just noticing your physical body in the present moment. Right. Because if you're noticing your body in the present, then you're taking yourself out of that past experience replaying over and over. Right. And that's like one of the, I'm sure, many techniques Mm -hmm. that therapists are using Mm -hmm. to help people recover from trauma or move, you know, forward in trauma healing. Right. It's like using your body in so many ways. Like, where is it in the world? Yes. Reconnecting. And it's very different than like meditation Mm -hmm. or seated meditation Mm -hmm. where you might be asked to close your eyes and sit still. All of those things, like closing your eyes is so vulnerable Mm -hmm. and it also shuts down your ability to have control, right? Right. Over like what's in the room, who's walking around or... Or even what you're visualizing. Absolutely. You know? And then the other thing would be that sitting still or the lack of movement can feel like captivity. It Mm -hmm. can quickly become like if someone's telling me to be still in my body, that can can mimic the feeling of being paralyzed, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a key element of of movement that's, um, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, just being able to, for me personally, being able to express like my own force over another object Mm -hmm. like in the gym being able to like pick up a bar and throw it around Mm. has 
it really helps like bring me back to the moment. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling any ter- sort of anxiety or disconnection, it's like I can just put my hands on it and do whatever I want to the bar mm-hmm. and I'm total control and it's like totally at my whim and cannot hurt me. Right. You yeah. know? And that's a very And you're not hurting thing. it. Right. right. Thing. Yeah. And, right. Yes, like, it's yeah. It's not a person or right. an animal. Mm-hmm. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, like, if I make a lot of noise with it, that's just, like, more fun for <laughs> for the barbell, yeah. you know? It's, like, bouncing around and having a great time. So, yeah. This has been really great. Yes. Okay. Um, where where can people, um, like, find out more about your work or, or participate? And at what levels can they participate in mm-hmm. things that you're up to? Yeah. I um, I just launched a website for Break the Silence. So it's breakthesilence.org. And people can get a summary of kind of everything that I'm doing in that context. And um, so participating in the singing group, helping support, mm-hmm. build the memorial in Minneapolis to honor survivors, um, being part of activism. We've taken to the streets and rallies and protests this past year, at different, you know, responding to different things that have happened in our community. Uh, the truth-telling events are open to survivors and allies who are there to listen. Um, the photography project is for survivors, and we are offering uh, a number of different photo opportunities to participate in that. So all of that is on the BreakTheSilence.org website. Um, additionally, with trauma-sensitive yoga, it's, it gets a little tricky because when you're naming that this is something that will support you in your healing from trauma, um, the demographic that it draws, there's there's so much like medical liability and complexity behind mm-hmm. that. And with uh, the trauma, people who've experienced trauma, um, you might be working with people who have attempted suicide mm-hmm. or had uh, recent experiences of uh, addiction that right. could be uh, threatening to their safety in in doing this activity. And so it's important that people are consulting with some form of therapist or clinician before engaging in trauma-sensitive yoga. That said, I think there's a lot of room for more yoga teachers in the mm. Twin Cities yes. and more yeah. um, any kind of instructor, instructor in the kind of mind-body world or fitness world to learn more about trauma so they can simply become more trauma-sensitive. Mm-hmm. So. You might not hang a sign on the door and say, you know, trauma-sensitive CrossFit, but you could definitely implement some tactics Certainly, that yeah. would yeah. be more inclusive, I think, for right. some Right, even someone. just learn how to teach, like learn it myself and learn how to teach it to the other instructors I have. Because mm-hmm. you know, we're always talking about, like, how can we be better and more aware? But sometimes it takes <laughs> getting resources from other people right. to do that. Right. And, you know, as a trauma-sensitive yoga instructor, when I call myself that, there's a tendency or a temptation, I think, for a lot of people to tell me their trauma story. And mm-hmm. it's I'm not a therapist. I'm not a clinician. I'm not a psychologist by trade. And so, um, you know, it, as I said, like kind of at the very beginning of this, that boundaries are so important. Right. And just naming, like, this is what I do. This is what I'm here for. Um, I'm not going to say I'm open for anything or... I can do everything for you. This is just, this is what I'm offering, and you're welcome to opt in or opt out. Yeah, that's a great way of saying that and yeah. handling it. it. Yeah, it is. And it sets a great precedent, too, as well, mm-hmm. for those expectations. Amazing. Um, well, we'll link to that website as mm-hmm. well okay. on our show page. And 
I just want to say thank you so much for coming because it's so nice to have you. I feel like we could have done like a two hour episode on like how to repair the world of all its ills. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. I look forward to our campaign. Okay, good. Yes. We're all running together for president of the United States. 2040. It doesn't matter that we're all too young. Oh, 2040. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll be old enough then. Gosh, Um, 2040. It's going to be great. I'm excited for your haircut too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, can't wait to see it. Thanks. Not that you need to show anyone. No. <laughs> you can do whatever you want Don't with that. Comment on it. That's yeah. the last thing I yeah. <laughs> I'll just put hair in the comment. <laughs> and then you can, like, thumbs up it if you agree that it's hair. <laughs> and if not, I'll take the comment down, too. I feel like that's not what this picture's about. Um, okay, great. This has been amazing. Uh, next week, we're going to have another episode because that's what we do every week. So you should tune in. And also you should subscribe to us on uh, iTunes and check out our Noise Picnic page. Yeah. And when you do all that, if you feel so inclined, you could write a review about the podcast. On you iTunes. could. I would, or anywhere. We, please, somebody do that. <laughs> <laughs> we we're could use for, yeah. it. Even if it's a negative review, all press is good press, right? Yeah, and share your feelings. <laughs> That's what we want. That's what we want. It is. Um, no, I'm setting a boundary. I don't want to know your feelings. Just tell me if you like the podcast or not. <laughs> Uh, great. And as always, thank you to Taj. And I love elephants. When I was growing up, I used to draw this little elephant picture from the back. So it was like a picture of the elephant's butt and it was looking over its shoulder and it was swatting away a little fly. And that picture is Taj Ruler. <laughs> so cute. Um, okay. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time on Zulkanacast. Zulkanacast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit sulcanacast.libsim.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sulcanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sulcana CrossFit. See you there.